Good evening and welcome to uh, another edition of One Amazing Experience. And I'm delighted to be joined this evening by um, the one and only Sue Barnes, uh, founder of Lavender Green Florists. Uh, Lavender Green have been going, I believe, for 30 years, Sue, since yeah, 1990, Maidenhead you set up. Uh, florists to the likes of uh, Pippa Middleton and James Matthews' wedding, uh, Prince Edward and Sophie Rhys-Jones, and uh, listed at, at some of the most beautiful and historic venues in London. Um, following on from that, Sue, would you like to give us a little bit of a, of a taste of what Lavender Green is all about? Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Um, ah. uh, hi, everyone. Uh, cheers <laughs> on this really, really hot day. I've just come back from about six hours driving, starting the day with picking... 350 sweet pea from West Wittering this morning. So it's it's a hot one and gin and tonic's my favourite. So cheers. Um, cheers. So we started 30 years ago. Uh, I started the business. We started as a shop um, and went into events when we suddenly had this wonderful guy come in and, and say, would you provide all the flowers for my boss's wedding he won't spend more than 32,000 pounds on the flowers I said I think we can do something for that and we never get them back um, and then started talking to all the venues got on all the lists um, right at the beginning of that and are now on 72 of the 84 UVL lists something like that um, but we also uh, look after five-star hotels every single really big sporting event and loads and loads of weddings um, so 2020 has been not much fun so far. Hey, thank you, Sue, and I, I'm sure many listeners will understand about that. Yeah. Uh, I know in the heights you were doing, well, well over 1,500 events a year. Yeah. And you're a team of about 40, is that right? Yeah, so we've got 35 people, all but five are furloughed. Up Our financial end, year end is March 31st. We were absolutely flying, and then all of a sudden, boom, nothing. And so it's just beginning to come back today. I keep drinking this gin tonic, but it feels like I need to celebrate today. So <laughs> Excellent. I'm pleased I caught you in a celebratory mood. Yeah, yeah. And on, on that note, obviously, in terms of when we're going through this, one unique experience, one amazing experience, uh, what we're doing is we're getting people within the industry to talk about an event that, uh, that they would like to hold, or it can be for them or, or it can be for somebody else. And um, we'll go through sort of venue, music, drink, food, entertainment. Obviously, we can touch on floristry. Uh, celebrity, your first dance track, which knowing you, Sue, you will have one. Uh, your big departure, what that would be at the end of the event, or it can be how the guests would leave. Yeah. And equally, it's one, one gift to all your guests. And the gift can be something physical, or it can just be a kind word or uh, a gesture or whatever you would like it to be. You can have a think about that. Okay. I'll come to it at the end. Um, so uh, I guess starting from the beginning, and as you mentioned, you know, 73 of the 84 UVLs, which for those who don't know is unique venues of London. So it's mm -hmm. venues that uh, don't do events as their main centre core. So it can be a historic palace or a museum or a gallery or whatever. But what would be your venue of choice? Uh, can I start with the event and what it is first? Yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. Well, this is going to be an actual event, so um, it's coming up. It's not going to be in this venue because it would just be too blissful and off the scale and, and let's face it, bloody expensive. But um, <laughs> it's my stepdaughter, middle, youngest stepdaughter's wedding. So we have five children between Barnsley and I. This is number three um, and number three to get married as well. And we've organised all of them. 
So venue of choice, it actually wouldn't be in this country. It would be um, my favourite room in the whole wide world, which has got to be the Hall of Mirrors in the Palace of Versailles. It's just staggering. And in my opinion, we have we have lots and lots of things that are equally beautiful in this country, um, but that would just be something else. Yeah. And, and is it... Choose between all the... 73 values. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair enough. And does it, and do you have an emotional attachment to it? Have you, have you done an event there or been to an event there? Uh, no, just been there a few times. It's just, yeah. I think everything that I adore, history, yeah. grandeur, um, architecturally brilliant. The gardens are sublime. Uh, I love French food. Don't mind the wine. Um, yeah. And of course, gallons of champagne, all of that lot, right? That's fair enough. I watched the, um, there was a documentary on the Ryder Cup 2018, which obviously took place in Versailles, and they did the, the reception for the teams was in the, was in the gallery of, of mirrors. Yeah. It was, um, it was wow. It's to just, look at. It's just yeah. sensational. Yeah. And historically, the, the Treaty of Versailles was signed there, end of First yeah. World War. Yeah, good. 1919. Great place for a wedding, anyway. Definitely. Great place for a wedding. Great place for a wedding. And uh, would the uh, with the music as people arrive would be would it be fitting at the venue or uh, what would you how how do you see the scene as people arrive? I think I would start with what people would expect. So they're blown away. Now you don't need to try too hard when you've got somewhere like that, but they'll be blown away by the entrance, blown away by the just the Palace of Versailles, which is staggering. Um, so I don't, I think I think kind of um, classical music, Baroque for five piece would just be mm. for me something like Cavatina, which mind you, I probably wouldn't have that because it always makes me cry and <laughs> some slap on that day, which would probably end up down my right there. Anyway, um, just something just something really absolutely gorgeous and nothing nothing wacky nothing theme just yeah. just sensational classical music to start off with fair enough fitting in the venue and as you say this is for one of your your stepdaughter's weddings yeah, yeah. and i know that you are you, your business is very family orientated yeah yeah yeah. there's uh three of our kids in the business amazing so, and then there's Colin Gray, who seems like a son already. <laughs> <laughs> so you have five of your family working together. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, we're obviously sharing it. We're, we're both having a gin and tonic as we go through this. Um, um, would that, in terms of as your guests arrive, what would you, what would you be serving to them, or would you be going for champagne as you are in France in Versailles? <laughs> I kind of think no. I would start okay. with. I, I think. I think we would start with a gin and tonic. It would be a, as late in the afternoon as possible. We start with a gin and tonic, which um, I, that's. I only drink gin and tonic or champagne. So we start with a gin and tonic, and it would be in the most amazing glass um, because. So this one here, okay. This is William Yeowood, and I love gin and tonic in a highball. Um, but it's got to be crystal as well. So um, we would start with that, and it would—it's got to have lemon in it. I don't know no, I'm a pleb, but it's got to. Um, but it's got to be in something. Every single part of this amazing uh, wedding will have thought put into it. 
um, and right the way down to what you're drinking out of um, right at the beginning. So we start with the gin and tonic, then we go into the ceremony um, with this wonderful music taking us there and this fantastic, just, I mean, when you open the door into the gallery of mirrors or hall of mirrors, whatever, however you, whatever you call it, you just have to stand there and drink it in. You know, the smell, it smells of frankincense and it's a really deep, woody smell in there. Um, and it would be obviously filled with roses as well, but it's this deep, woody smell that people would get. Um, it would probably have been asked to put the gin and tonic down beforehand, which is a shame. <laughs> I prefer to take it in there. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's, that's setting the scene. Oh, excellent. <laughs> and, and, and in terms of, of as you said, so I started from getting setting the scene, in terms of Lavender Green, from my understanding, you, you worked in banking and marketing before you started the company, is that right? Yeah, so one of those graduate schemes where you know, there's loads and loads of hundreds of people who kind of go after a job and you're lucky if you get one and they teach you how basically the city works. Um, and I was bored at day one. I lasted <laughs> six months and tried to convince myself that there was money to be had in the city, which definitely there is far more than in Florisby. Um, mm. Really couldn't wait to get out um so joined a recruitment agency and applied for the first lovely job that I saw coming along which was in marketing and I didn't really look back I loved it amazing this is done the pub perfect but your but your mum was a florist is that right yeah mum did floristry so I guess there's always been yeah we've always loved flowers we always had flowers in our family life um yeah we just had parties in our family life too so nothing changed really generation after generation and I guess when you were doing this, you say the, the banking where you were bored and then the marketing, which you loved more. We, we, did you, I mean, you, did you always have the entrepreneurial spirit? Did you always know you were going to have your own company? Uh, I think it, I think people who want to work with you become fewer and fewer. So you really, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. No, I, I find it, I've, I need to work as part of a, a team, but I do need a free hand. And that's very difficult in the constraints of, of certainly in banking um, and in marketing. You just get to the end of the road. You've got, you know, in those days, in the 80s, 70s and 80s, it was such a, a high life. It was untrue. You couldn't do that for too long. Um, did I always know I'd run my own business? Yeah, probably. Because I'm quite difficult to constrain, I would say. Fair enough. Do you take great learnings from what you did before from your time in the city of marketing? Were you, were you able yeah. to apply those to Lavender Green? Yeah, I think both things apply to starting a business completely. Um, and I think that it has helped us enormously as a company. Um, there are 14,500 florists in England. Not many of them have kind of a, an, an owner who's sort of got maybe financial awareness um, and knows how to. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, I mean, in terms of, as you say, so you obviously started the business and you had someone who kindly came in and offered you £32,000 to do the wedding. <laughs> or their boss's, boss's yeah. daughter's wedding. And her, 30, 28 years ago, that was a heck of a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, a huge amount. Now. Exactly. Very happy that happened there. Um, but did you, did you have the vision for the, I mean, in terms of where you are now, did you did you see that happening at the time or or did it just organically grow and you just went with it? 
I think we sat up in a, we lived, we lived um, in between Marlow and Henley. So there's always quite a lot of money around, um, lots yeah. of low money. So it was the parties that there were, even though we were retail, when we decorated a party, it was always quite a big party. Um, and the guy that came in took us straight up to London. So that was, the wedding was at Grosvenor House. Um, and at that time, it was probably the most popular of all of the hotels for, for banqueting. Um, so I think as soon as we, as soon as we looked at that, and I had to, bid against Moises Stevens and I can't remember the other one, Jacques Azaguri, who's a fashion designer, his sister set up a florist shop and she used to do Harvey Nicks. So there were the three of us um, pitching for this for this piece of work um, and I was just lucky to get it. Um, and once we got it, it was quite obvious to, to see how it should be designed. It was basically create Versailles in in the ballroom of Grosvenor House. Um, so it, it was just obvious that if you can if you can earn a lot of profit out of one event, um, why sell three thousand bouquets um, yeah, yeah. instead? And there is an amazing kick out of doing an event that size, isn't there? Or, or... Oh, yeah. Incredible. You know, there's still, uh, you know, I pinch myself every time I stand at the door after we have um, created somebody's vision of, of loveliness. Um, and then you see the guests arrive and you hear their comments and you think, yeah, that was good. Because I know I know you have a, a love of sketching, mm -hmm. bride bouquets and table centres and concepts all around. You still get you still get the chance to do that. Yeah, do that the whole time. So every every wedding that comes through to um, London Green, I will have some part in. Um, it's quite nice though because now I look after the mums and when <laughs> sit down, uh, I've always got, we've got three people in our wedding team and the other two, one of them's half my age and the other one's nearly half my age. Um, and it's really nice. So, so the two girls know what the bride's talking about and I don't. And the mum and I can talk about flowers and species and smells and romance and, and things as they were um, and gardens. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I still sketch everything and bringing that idea of, of someone's um, dream flowers to life is it's wonderful still to do. Yeah. Not many people offer a guarantee. We offer a guarantee. That's what they love. Yeah. Do you keep your sketches? Uh, yeah, I've still got most of them. Um, certainly, yeah, you know, we... we, we also um give them there's a little secret thing that we do so um on the actual wedding day we will turn the sketch into a card um and the bride doesn't know she's getting that so there's always lots and lots of tears and and it's um it's great and it's also us saying we're you know doing what we said we would do this is your okay that's what it looked like when you signed up this is what it looks like today so it's good Excellent. It's, it seems to be that your job is to invoke tears at weddings, by the sounds of things. Yeah, I try my hardest. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I deliver a bouquet or, or I get involved with the bride and I really, really like them, I cry at every single one of them. 
every single one of them. I just can't help it. There's so much emotion in that particular part of floristry, um, unlike any other. Um, and it's good to do. It's good to do. So how many weddings do you think you've been to, Sue? <laughs> oh, gosh, loads. <laughs> um, I think I've probably decorated a, a couple of thousand or more, um, and I've been to an awful lot. Um, and and what I love about now is that people are breaking the formula, and actually this last pandemic will allow them to break that formula even more. Um, if there's a big thing that I can't stand, it's a formulaic wedding. Um, it's... Yeah. just isn't personal enough for me right so on that note so yeah. so far you've got you've got a, a beautiful classic venue at versailles you're serving them gin and tonics you've got some wonderful classical music playing so coming on to your how, how in terms of feeding feeding your guests are you doing a standard three course or will you be doing something different uh, i think it's dependent upon the time of year and the weather really I mean, there is nothing, I don't know what there would have been in those days if, if it was kind of the Sun King. He would have had this lavish, great big spread. So actually more buffet style. It would be more sort of certainly, certainly kind of our version of bowl food, I suppose, but on grand style Um So I think people will want to walk around. They'll want to experience. We don't, I don't want to stick anyone in, in one room and make them stay there i'd love them to be wandering around the grounds but because they would know at our weddings it's, there's going to be a lot of alcohol and if they go on for a long while food is quite important so um yeah. wandering around the grounds with with wonderful things in there in, in a bowl that's probably never been kind of made yet but something absolutely gilded and wonderful like a big lily pad or something that they'll be just picking gorgeous bits of stuff <laughs> <laughs> grazing grazing but, but very very smart grazing food grazing food excellent and do you do you and if you were if you'd had to choose i suppose one bowl what would it be um it would be i think it would be uh it would do you know when i was talking about it something that is going to sound really weird something like um a very very small partridge in a pear tree something that when you look at it is absolutely exquisite and it's a complete design on this lily pad that people are offering. but you can't resist gorgeous gorgeous if it were me, foie gras, if it were anywhere, but but it's got to be something absolutely sensational. It's a story on a plate. That's what I would like sure. to say. Story on a plate. Yeah. Yeah. Partridge yeah. seems very fitting for... Partridge in a fair yeah. tree, something like that. Yeah. Story on a plate, with different times of year. Excellent. And are you, uh, uh, in dessert-wise, are you a sweet tooth or more a cheese course type person? Oh, both. I mean, this both. is Good. the second quarter. This is not three or five even. This is okay. This is this goes on and on and on, which is why each this is like a tasting menu, absolutely off the scale, beautiful and exquisite. Um, but everything's small. I mean, I, I, men don't seem to get it. Women don't like great lots and lots and lots of things because they're too busy drinking, trying to fit in still to what they're wearing. Um, <laughs> Time trying to enjoy themselves, trying not to spill everything all over the place. So lots of small plates is what we really, really would like. And each one of those to be completely beautiful. Excellent. And, and as you say, and storytelling. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if you could, if you could, um, I don't know, make every single one of them a, a, a either a, a French king or a mistress or a war in a plate, that's what I'd love to do. Something with the story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So you're saying you started this later, as late as possible in the afternoon, you said. Yeah. So, um, and it's it's going on forever. Is that, is it, are you talking, you basically, guests leaving at dawn? I don't know if you came, no, yeah, probably. I don't know if you came to our Moulin Rouge party, but anyway, it says three and people expect to be out there sometime before five, that kind of thing. And I'm sure Palace of Versailles, they won't mind. We can stick around, I'm sure. I don't know. They won't mind at all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you could have one celebrity at the party, who would it be? Ooh, I like comedians. Yeah. Um, I like people who uh, don't take life too seriously. Yeah. I kind of think he, maybe he's gone off the boil a little. Well, there are two. Okay, there are two comedians. Can I have two comedians? Yeah, you can have two. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the first one, <laughs> I can't imagine him being in for the first first sign. He hates France anyway. He's publicly come out and said so. And that's Mickey Flanagan. So okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine him really like that. The other one is James Corden, who, okay. again, up for a laugh. They would make sure everyone's having a good time. Whether or not they could hack it, Versailles, I don't know. Well, I think Mickey didn't Mickey Flanagan. He did a tour of France, didn't he? Didn't he do a bike tour of France? I think he did. He did do a tour of France, but he came back saying, "I absolutely hate them." There are <laughs> <laughs> whether or not he'd want to go back. We might have to pay him a bit too much to get back there, but yeah, he did go there. And Next time. TV program. And have you uh, met them? I, funnily enough, quite quite recently, quite recently, six hours recent <laughs> yeah yeah excellent I'm really really funny really just brilliant brilliant but controversial it's, no, it's, it's well it's important you, know, you speak to uh, obviously you spoke to Johnny Roxburgh and his and we'll come on to one of your influences in the business but one of his his influences uh, was Lady Elizabeth Anson yeah and uh, and both of them were like, well, you've got to make sure the guests are right. It's the main thing in terms of entertaining guests. And if you've got bores, sit them together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just keep the boring table to one end, definitely. Or in the next room. And, uh, and so coming on to it, I mean, who who has been an inspiration or uh, I suppose either an inspiration or, or an advice and a help to you in the industry? Um, I think the inspiration, I don't think there was an inspiration because 30 years ago, florists were unheard of. They were the last thing you'd put, you know, you used to have one of those silver candelabra that everyone had, three branches of the candelabra, and they stuck that in the middle of the table, and that's all you got. So there weren't really flowers for events when we started out. Um, and then along came a guy called Ken Turner. I don't know if you ever remember Ken Turner. Yeah, yeah I do, yeah. And Ken, Ken Turner was a Mayfair florist, and he was the first one to sort of start making money out of floristry and doing things that you actually saw rather than that you kind of expected. Um, so he went in, he was the first one that would, who would look at a space, look at a room, look at a venue and change that in some way um, rather than just put a little pop of colour here, there and everywhere. 
Um, and so he, he, I think, was the first one to show me that uh, there might be a little bit of money in it, if I'm really honest. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he, on that side, who has helped me? So many people. I mean, I, I've been really, really lucky that we've gone through, and you have as well, Philip, you know, and, and vice versa. I mean, we've helped each other. I think, I think you go through your working life, hopefully not creating too many enemies and, and putting on an awful lot of friends. And uh, we've collected friends in the industry all the way through, and they've all helped us if we've needed it um, for advice or for, I don't know what else, you know, a leg up sometimes, an introduction to somebody, um, don't know, can't think. Men uh, mentors, there aren't any. Um, okay. But help and advice, that's any friend in the industry um, that we've made over the years, and there's loads of them, luckily. Excellent. It's important to make friends in this industry. God, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, Ken Turner has been mentioned before as well. You'll yeah. be pleased to know. <laughs> he, was, um, he was kind of like the first decorator. Was he? I don't think people call themselves decorators these days. But that's what we do, um, yeah. and he was—he was really the first, I would say. Yeah. Um, and everybody else jumped on the bandwagon after that, uh, including us. But he—he—he he, he was a great guy and had real vision. He worked large scale. He didn't just do small little things. He was, and he—he he had the budget. You know, he—he he was in Mayfair, and people would give him money to spend. Um, it doesn't matter what great ideas we all may have if no one's got the budget for it it's uh, a bit of a lot it's impossible to hard to deliver yeah <laughs> and you mentioned in terms of as you say yourself uh, as a decorator I mean obviously when we've gone through it already so far you've always you've talked about um, I suppose the whole sensory experience so is flowers as much about the smell as it is about the look uh, yeah so it's really really easy for me or lavender green to make a space look a certain way to make it feel a certain way is very very difficult so whenever we uh talk to a client a wedding or whoever it might be we say how do you want how do you make it feel you get this like blank look especially from the blokes <laughs> so you always say right give us five words how you want it to feel so for me if i have five words to choose, i would want it to feel relaxed informal comfortable fun energetic um, classic maybe and um, so we get those words from them and then when we start designing we keep coming back to those words to and it acts as a kind of aid memoir really um, to to make sure that that what we're putting to them kind of ticks all the right boxes for art's sake I hate poncy things I hate flash things I hate things that are in the head of the designer rather in the than in the head of the client or the person that we're working for. I like things to be really, really personal. And fragrance for me is is way up there. It's, uh, you know, you walk into a room, if you had your eyes closed, you should still be having a really good time. And that can, you know, the fragrance of flowers just happens to really add to that. I mean, dropping yeah. out with 350 sweet pea in the car today, I can't tell you, I was in <laughs> absolute heaven. And I've got... <laughs> I've got a convertible and I've put the roof down and got the air con out. I, it, I was just in absolute heaven. It was incredible, just incredible. And when, when you see somebody, when they get the right sort of flowers, they just pick them up and they always bury their nose in it. And you see the disappointment 
if there's not a smell that comes back. You can see it from people. They'll, they'll look at something. It looks so fantastic like that. And then you go, then you see them go, oh. And most of the time they say, oh, God, I was expecting that to smell. And it doesn't smell. So I don't want to ever disappoint people. So for me, fragrance is really, really important. Yeah. And from my research, as I, as I said to you before, I believe that your, your favorite is hyacinths in spring, sweet peas and garden roses in summer, dahlias in the autumn, and I pronounce this probably wrong, hell balls in winter. Yeah. So there are, only, there are two of the five that don't smell out of those, but therefore dahlia is the only thing at that time of year that's flash and glamorous. So dahlia is the autumn's peony, which has gone by then. So when you want to create real glamour in autumn, it's very you've got a limited kind of choice. Um, and Dahlia's in there for that. Hellebores, Hellebores are quite uh, smart now. Um, and I think it's this sort of garden, Petersham nurseries, kind of outdoor event, kind of decorating experience. And, and Hellebores coming through there. They come in an array of, of different colours. And it, they, are, they are flowers that don't look like you've tried too hard. Um, and I think that that is very definitely kind of a good look. Big sure. forestry, which I call it big bum forestry. So great big domes of 20, 250 roses or 250 orchids or 250 anything rather than, that, that just go edge to edge flower. That's all gone. Um, thank God. Um, and in its place are things where, like Hellebores, where they are interesting and each one looks like it's been painted with a paintbrush and but they, they are spaced out with a bit of green in between so you can actually see the beauty of each individual flower. hope I've explained yeah. that to some extent. Amazing. And in, in terms of, as you say, um, so is, is there a, a trend in feel at the moment, as you say? So you yeah. want more more classical, more, as, as you say, more modern, more, um, I don't know. It's, it's a really funny one because um, people are always saying, what's the new thing? And we're, they look to us. Mm to create the new thing if you like and yeah. what the new thing is I, I do so many magazine articles where they ask me what the new trends are the new trends are always the old trends they just get regurgitated and it all moves along and maybe yeah. it's a different container but in essence people are looking for floristry that that is of that moment whatever fashion gardening dictates art dictates at that time um, but to smell fantastic, to be fresh, to um, to interest. So that those great big domes of one type of flower really don't have an awful lot of interest anymore. We're all going a bit more natural. We're not wearing suits and ties anymore. We're kind of it. We're we're going outside of that agreed uniform, and in exactly the same way floristry is going outside of that uh, expected look um, so pampas grass has been in all over the place this year who would have thought that you know swinger city <laughs> no, who, who would have thought that pampas grass mixed in with greenery everywhere was a good thing but it has been this year and but if you look at it it's a really relaxed look it's a real kind of ibiza kind of look um so, so that's been in this year. Botanical was in the year before. An awful lot of these are also cost-saving kind of ones. They're not thousands and thousands of flowers. Um, but you can't beat 
English roses, jasmine, gardenia. Um, you can't beat that gorgeous, chic, almost Italian look, but it's still an outdoorsy look that's in. Yeah. Well, I guess people feel to be to be potentially seen as a swinger when they know they're in lockdown. So it's... That would be impressive if you had to stay two, two metres away and you could stay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are people who found a way. <laughs> uh, uh, it's good stuff. I, 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 I'd be interested to see when we genuinely come out of lockdown in terms of what the way it does go in that, um, as you say, everyone has been so, spent so long in the easiest way of describing it, slob gear. Yeah. As the whether people are going to want to look smart when they actually come out of this is, uh, and whether then, as you say, I suppose from an event we'll be more classical looking um, than relaxed. I don't, I don't know, but it, it'll be interesting to see. So I've always lived my life in slog gear. Yeah. And I reckon. What do you mean? Yeah. And I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that personalities come out more when you're not concentrating so much on on how you package yourself um mm. that may be may, i think it's a really really good thing and um, the that those uniforms those that power dressing which is what it is may have had its day um mm. you're still going to need a bridal dress though of some sort um and you know there are there are certain things that you you can't get away with um without going some to somebody who knows what they're talking about really in terms of style but but that slog dressing dressing down even in versailles i would i would still want people to dress comfortably and and that to me would be whatever the hell they feel comfortable in yeah no, no distinct style whatsoever um yeah like, i just don't think there's a need for it never myself and i don't think other people should no fair enough well i mean obviously that there's there's going to be dancing so they're going to need so they're going to need to be wearing something suitable to 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 get down i've seen you uh, dance, you would need something suitable to wear <laughs> it's probably it would be it would be quite a while ago so but but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm still happy to to get out of dance floor. My children may not be quite so happy for me to do so, but that's. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking that the other day. <laughs> it's, it's okay. So, uh, in terms of your 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 first track, your dance floor filler. Uh, there's only one, and the, I can't sit down when this one comes on, and you might not even know it. It's called Jamaica Funk, and it's by Tom Brown, and it is the best so i remember dancing in a nightclub in kensington that was just when i was about 24 this came on and there were we cleared the floor there was this guy there who was about 60 and and jamaican and myself that was it clear the floor brilliant and i can't sit down even now every single time it goes on it's almost like a it's become almost like a lavender green anthem because the whole company gets up and we just <laughs> We just clear any dance floor, even now. Brilliant. Not sure how well it goes in Versailles, but there you go. It, it, it'll go fine. <laughs> Versailles, will Versailles will have to go with it rather than the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, it, and I suppose uh, as you as you as you come to the last dance, you, you 
it's almost a case of people start to, to look back on things. But in terms of looking back on on your time in terms of lavender green, I mean, and as you've mentioned, COVID and series we're all going through at the moment, or and we are definitely still going through it. It's not we're not out of the end. Certainly from the events industry side. I mean, what what have your what has your been your learnings from going through nine eleven and two thousand and eight nine? I can't. Yeah, I kind of think that lemon green, we we sort of, we spread the areas in which we work. So the last two recessions, we have put on about 25% business in both of them. And um, we've done that by, you know, going into contracts, sporting events, events, corporate events, weddings, retail. We've got all of those things. We don't just specialize in one area. So I kind of thought, right, we're recession-proof. And it was almost like a a sales pitch in my head to anybody, you know, lavender green, recession-proof. What we're clearly not is COVID-proof or coronavirus-proof. And and when that hit us like everybody else, it was, holy coroli, you know, what do you do? Where do you go? And I think furlough has, has helped everybody enormously. Uh, out of the 35 people we've got working, only five are full salaried still. The rest of them are furloughed. Um, this week it starts back on, uh, but but you know it's it will it, it has been awful for our industry. And I don't think that the grants are available that there should be. I don't think um, the business rates certainly for us they haven't given us a holiday. They have on the shop, but they haven't on the warehouse units. So we've got. We've got a few battles yet to to kind of um, hopefully win, um, and and we're fine for next year. Everybody's guaranteed us for next year, but it's getting over this this next bit, which is which is going to be difficult for everybody. Um, yeah. Looking back, our team are our team are fine. We keep in contact with them. We do boring quizzes the same as everybody else. Zoom um, yeah. calls. Well, all of that, but there is nothing like working together. And, and we are not just a family of five who work together. We are a family of 35 who work together. And that's tough not being able to get together. Yeah, no, I understand it. But, it, I mean, it, as you say, this uh, this pandemic or this, this economic situation we're in now is is very different from the last two. It's only from from our side we've, we've found that it's been extremely painful in terms of it. But I guess one of the, the, the nice things for listeners to hear is that, you know, flowers, which people might say is a is a luxury item and one not necessarily that people have to be spending money on, is is obviously something as you say that you're starting to see come back. And there is obviously a, a a desire for people to be to be having flowers, and I guess that that'll lift in their lives. Yeah, I think they need it. I think that um, it freshens any space. It puts. You know, for the people that can still afford it, and and let's face it, you know, lavender green work in the in the the higher budget bracket, I suppose, most of the time. Um, yeah. People still want flowers; they need flowers, um, and and the the parties that they have come to expect a certain look from their parties just don't look the same if they don't have them. Let's just hope they have those parties um, and let's hope as soon as possible they can have them to the same extent that they had before in terms of numbers and numbers of people attending and numbers of events in general. Yeah. I've kind of bought the fact it's probably going to take us two years to get, to get back to where we were this year in March this year. 
just the way I think it's going to go. Yeah, I think that um, the, the consumer confidence when it comes back, it will come back in, in thought. Um, yeah. It just depends on how much economic damage is done in the meantime, which then then slows that, that V going back up. But um, we shall remain positive. That, uh, that, you know, we we're seeing good signs both in the UK and, and definitely in Europe in terms of people opening back up. Um, so... Hopefully, they'll all move forward quicker, quicker than we well, all hope. Also, the, the, big, the, pro the problem is so huge and so widespread that you can't take it personally. And, you know, there's this great big thing is, you know, worry about things that you can change. We actually at the moment can't really change an awful lot. Uh, we have to be, you know, positive people like us have to be reactive at the moment and that's that's pretty difficult that's been the most difficult thing for me is just sitting on my hands and and watching it all happen and feeling so powerless um this week is different for us as a company this week it's it's changed um and it is starting to ease up and go forward so i do feel very very positive um but i also think that nobody can take it personally at the moment it's just too big too massive a problem no, I think that's a very good message. As you say, we've got our locomotive control and we haven't got a, otherwise we can't blame ourselves for, for this pandemic happening. Um, so we have, we have to, to move forward and, and concentrate as a, you know, saying which comes from sport, you know, what will make the boat go faster. So I, what, what will make our businesses flourish as we go forward and out. Yeah. Um, and we will depart. Uh, COVID and equally I'm afraid that we will have to depart your event at some point as well it'd be at five o'clock in the morning I assume after bacon sandwiches and yeah uh, served all the uh, women have uh, got their shoes in their hand at this point okay nobody's got them on because they're just too painful to put back on after you've been dancing around your handbag for a few hours yeah no I like that look uh and uh um if this can be either all the guests departure or otherwise obviously it can be yours or your i assume more likely your 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 stepdaughter's big departure <laughs> how would you envisage her leaving i think that we've gone back in the past for such a a lot of the day and we've enjoyed the history of the rest of the day i think she's got to go back in a, she's got to go away in a hel helicopter definitely and um wake all the neighbours up at five o'clock in the morning for them to confirm the fact that the roast beef are, are total plebs um, <laughs> and for the roast beef to really underline the fact that we don't really care. <laughs> we don't, you know, we love the French, yes, in part, but really, mm, you know, we've done it by them. We've paid homage. Yeah. Helicopter back to the UK as quickly as you can. I like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And in, in terms of it, do you, do you, do you have a, I mean, obviously you, you, the story of the, the person coming in and then the 32,000, which is obviously always a big turning point in terms of your business. It's like, okay, well, this is what we should do. But do you have any, and I know it's hard from the literally thousands of weddings you've been to, not anything else, but do you have a, a, one abiding memory from the, from your time in the industry? Uh, yeah, so it's a really strange one because I love to I love to create things. I love to exceed clients' expectations. I love to create wonderful things, but I love it if the client gets the kudos from it. 
Um, I by then have been paid, so I really, you know, um, I've done my bit, and I'm, you know, done better than I think I could have done. But really, you know, we're on to kind of the next one. Um, and I went to one of the weddings that we did a couple of years ago, and it was a, it was the biggest thing we've ever done. It's huge, and it was a three-day wedding, and it was a glass marquee in the, the second day. It was a glass, the, the day of the wedding it was a glass marquee, massive wedding in the back garden. And we left at three o'clock in the morning because they are big party animals and big clients of ours. And I went at three o'clock in the morning out of this glass marquee, knowing full well that at three o'clock in the morning, we would totally change what was in there, grass the floor of the marquee, completely from round tables to long square wooden trestle tables. And then all of those guests will be back in at one o'clock the following day for brunch. Anyway, one o'clock the following day. So Julie did, and I knew this, and I've probably forgotten about it to tell anyone. But anyway, that was what was happening. And at one o'clock in the morning, we walked back towards this this glass marquee with all these other people that were there the night before. And I heard a guest, uh, I just heard this woman go, oh, my God, only Alison could have done that. And Alison was the client, the mother of the bride. Only Alison could have done that. Look, it's magnificent. And I just thought, yeah, that's that's a job well done. Yeah. I didn't say, oh, that's a great lavender green job or whatever. It was, my God, that was fantastic. Isn't the client clever? And then, you know, that's what you're in business to do, aren't you? Make your clients look incredibly good. Absolutely. We, we, are, we are in the service industry. We are. We are. We can make clients look clever, then they'll come back to us. Yep. And... Uh, uh, we, you've, you've sort of given a gift to a client there in terms of letting them take the glory, which is always good. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of your event, uh, do you have one gift that you give to all your guests when they left the party? Do you know one of the nicest things that I – I went to another wedding. I've been to quite a few weddings, as you said before. But um, <laughs> um, on my name card, so we all sat down at the table, and um, I was playing with my name card. I was probably on the boring table with the other boring people, but I looked at my name card and uh, under, I, I picked it up and, and I realised there was some writing underneath it. And on the, obviously on the front it said Sue Barnes. On the back it said, thank you for being mum's best friend all her life. And I thought, oh, my God, that's fantastic. I went to Barnsley, my husband. said, David, look at that. Said, and there were like 250 people at this wedding. There's a little message from me. And then he went, oh, I wonder if I've got a message. <laughs> and he picked up his name card and he went, thank you for bringing Sue to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, and then everybody discovered that there was a personal message um, on each of their place settings. So that was a really nice thing. And I'll always do that. Um, and we'll definitely do that in Versailles. What would I give them to take home? I would give them a potted off the scale fragrant English scented rose, not French. Beautiful. Give them a long memory of, a, of the occasion. I think there's a Madame de Pompidou or something like that. I think there is one of them. One of the mistresses, I think there is a rose named after her. So probably that one. But bred by David Austin, who's English. <laughs> Keep the money in this country. Well, Thank you, Sue. I think I think as a as a as a nation, we'll thank you for that at this precise moment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and what what future planning are you doing at the moment? Uh, we're getting the online product up and running. 
Yeah. The revenue stream we didn't ever think we'd need, but clearly we do to make ourselves recession, COVID, any next pandemic proof. Um, yeah, there's quite a few things that I can't really tell you about at the moment, but yeah, they're all expansion things rather than sticking with the moment or going backwards. So doing nothing about a problem has never been an option for us. Um, going backwards in business has never been an option for us. Doing um, stalemate has never been an option for us. So the future is actually very interesting. Um, and yeah, we're working on it all the time at the moment. And you'll see it soon. Well, it's uh, it's very wise words, and uh, and 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 thank you for for your time today. And as you say, we all need to look forward. Um, there are opportunities in what we do. What we're going through at the moment is uncontrollable. But your your party sounds like it will be one hell of a do. <laughs> I don't want to hold it. <laughs> I just wouldn't bother. <laughs> Yeah, we look forward to it very much and uh, and uh, we look forward to, to seeing Lavender Green at, at many thousands of events going forward soon. Thank you. Thank you. Great to talk to you, Zon. And you.